Okay, happy Monday, everybody. Um, that might be one of the last weeks that we have that intro going on. We, uh, I don't know, I'm not getting my hopes we'll up, man. <laughs> we, uh, we officially, I think, is it since the last show, actually uh, shot the intro? Or did we do that two weekends ago? No, no we, we did, did two weekends, we did two weekends yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. But the progress uh, on that is we have picked new music. Uh, we have. I really like that yeah, music, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so super excited about that. New video, new music coming whenever uh, the amazing Rosses can can uh, get that cut up for us and put together. It'll be awesome. But yeah, episode 50. Um, 5 Welcome, Gluten-Free Brian. Um, Gluten-Free <coughs> yeah. Brew Supply. Um, thanks for joining us, man. Oh, you're uh, welcome. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> we, I'm actually starting the night. Uh, drinking uh, one of the yeast samples that you were so kind enough to uh, <laughs> legally mail us. So, um, right? You want to talk yeast about sample. what? Uh, yeah, <laughs> this is a. Uh, you have it labeled as a Michigan Pale Ale. Um, do you want to? Do you want to talk about like what it is and and? Uh, you sure. know, I think Jason has one too. And uh, yeah. Okay, so the uh, that Michigan Pale Ale, it's made with Hydra Hops, which is one of the six or seven um, proprietary Michigan hops available from Hang'em High Hops, who is their hop supplier that I'm working with. Um, and like I'm slowly going through each hop, just doing a single hop beer with some just to figure out each hop. I'm loving this one, the Hydra. Um, all of these Michigan hops are really, they're different and unique. Um, cool. This one, I think almost tastes like, kind of like a mimosa to me. Um, and then there's a Emerald Spire that's got a bunch of like grape flavors, almost kind of like a grape Jolly Rancher type thing going on. Um, this is the first beer I've made with the Hydra, so it was just kind of a, my standard pale ale hop schedule, which is, I do a half ounce at 60, two ounces at 10 minutes, and two ounces in the Whirlpool. Okay. What are you doing? No. I'm live, dude. <laughs> okay. My no, technical director here is like checking out my <laughs> you know, advanced setup, making sure everything's tuned in, right? Excellent. That's a great Excellent. setup. <laughs> no, I like the uh, I like the hazy. You know, uh, <clears throat> is so so as far as like brewing gluten free goes, and we'll we'll start going into like a lot of the details. You sent us like uh, uh, samples of like millet and oat malt and stuff like that. Um, but as far as like yep. brewing a hazy IPA with, you know, gluten-free supplies, like, um, what do you do for like, you know, proteins and stuff like that? Cause normally for like hazy IPAs, you're, you're kind of looking for like a, like a sort of protein heavy, uh, beer, um, to, you know, sort right. of buying those, those hot um, polyphenols and stuff. And it looks great. Like it's beautiful. 
so with uh with celiac now some people are celiac and are very sensitive to oats and oats are commonly cross-contaminated either in the field or um in the handling so mm. i've been able to supply um malted oats that come from a dedicated farm and then it goes to uh Haas malts in ohio and they do a, like a very thorough cleaning of all their equipment that it's going to go through they malt the oats you know and uh they're doing so they have a pail and then they do uh kind of like a 10L oats, and now they've got a 45L oats, which I'm driving down there tomorrow to pick up. Um, I use oats for the for the haze and that protein. Um, buckwheat has a lot of protein in it, and um, this beer has both in it. It's got dextrin buckwheat, oats, um, C10 millet, and the red sorghum malt. Um, see, another place you can get oats, or not oats, another place you can get proteins is uh, quinoa. Um, oh, okay. And there's, yeah, that's uh, like you get flaked quinoa, which will really help with uh, some of the body and mouthfeel. Um, nice. For me, the for magic number seems to be. Some oats, some buckwheat, and a good dry hop to to really help you know with that head retention um, and haze. That's awesome. But like the example so you I, have didn't even dry hop. I feel like we jumped forward a, a little bit, so I, I want to circle back just in case. That's that's me. That, that, that's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm calling you out on it. So, so Brian. Uh, can you, why, I guess the first question would be like, why, why gluten-free? If you can kind of explain like why somebody might want to focus on gluten-free beer. I know you mentioned celiac, but if you can give us the rundown on that, that would be awesome. Right. So I have celiac. I was, um, actually first diagnosed when I was like a year and a half old. Celiac is, it's a genetic disease where my immune system freaks out when it sees gluten and my immune system attacks my body specifically my small intestine so you have symptoms like uh pain gas diarrhea uh it inflames the uh, and the intestines with these little finger-like projections that absorb nutrients so they get all swollen and then they're like this and it absorbs nothing um my mom told me that I looked like one of those little Ethiopian kids on the those commercials. And, I mean, you know, it's a protuberant belly, malnourishment, failure to thrive. Um, you know, I mean, I was, like, really, really sick until some doctor figured it out. And it's like, oh, stop giving them this, 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 and this. And all of a sudden, I stopped having diarrhea. I started gaining weight. And I you know, began to grow and, you know, be, be more like a normal baby. And then about a year or two after that, um, the doctor said, oh, you know, this goes into remission or it goes away, they grow out of it. Not true. But 
That's what no. I thought. <laughs> I was fine until I turned 12. And then the symptoms came back. And so I've been gluten free since 1989 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, I mean, a lot of people end up being diagnosed in, you know, their 30s or 40s. And a lot of times it's just a missed diagnosis because until the last 10 years, it's been not unknown, but a very little known, you know, disease. And, you know, so people are just sick or, you know, like doctors never picked up on it. Um, Fortunately, now there's a lot more awareness and uh, there's more options now. I mean, and there are, there's the other sort of aspect of gluten-free, which is gluten intolerance or non-celiac gluten intolerance, where basically they have symptoms, but the uh, lab tests do not show celiac. Um, I mean, those people are basically just as sensitive as a celiac is. Um you have celiac or you know gluten intolerance you have to just absolutely eliminate the gluten containing grains from your diet and those are wheat rye and barley and then whatever the like the hybrids and the offshoots of those um and you have to be very careful of things like cross-contamination so you know i can't go to uh uh, what you call it, Domino's, and get a gluten-free pizza because it's probably going to be contaminated with their, you know, flour from their kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, there are restaurants that do it safely, like uh, Buddies. Their gluten-free pizza is safe and freaking awesome because they have a dedicated space for it and de- dedicated we, oven. We love Buddies, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome to hear. <laughs> buddies okay. is awesome. Uh, <laughs> their pizza, their gluten-free is so good that they brought it out to me one time and I started freaking out because I thought it was a gluten pizza. And I was like, oh. they brought the manager out. I was like, no, 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 that's, I promise you, that's the right one. We, we adjusted the recipe. I was like, oh my God, this is too good to be gluten-free. <laughs> um, so but I mean, I mean that's were... the thing. I get so sick that, I mean, if I even think there's contamination i'm like yeah i'm not i'm not gonna eat that right yeah so so you were saying you 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 knew from like your your you said 12 i think so is that confirmed like yeah through your teens you didn't eat any uh gluten or you avoided gluten as you could so my, my question exactly. is there then how did you get into beer <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i mean well um my first experience with gluten-free beer or with beer at all was it was the night before my wedding. We had found some gluten-free beer somewhere. I think it was Redbridge. It tasted like fucking shit. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't like beer. So 10 years later, I like tried beer again, a gluten-free beer. I was like, oh, this isn't bad. It's because I was like tired of cider. I mean, cider, yeah, you can go get thousands with it, but I mean, it gets boring. Um, and then I started being like, you know, I'm going to hunt down like every gluten free beer I can find. And Michigan, mm-hmm. especially, there wasn't much 
I mean, there's very little there is. See, Redbridge, uh, Newgrist, and Greens. And that was it. Um, and Greens is horribly expensive. It's imported from Belgium. Um, it's pretty good. It's not, I make better beer. Uh, <laughs> or at least mine's fresh, so it still tastes good. I mean, there's it comes in from Belgium. Who knows how you know stale it is? Uh, and I was like, you know, I want to try like a porter. So I started looking into it, and I found zero tolerance gluten free homebrew uh, club on Facebook. And it's like, oh my god, I I can collect a stout or a porter. This is fucking cool. Oh, yeah, kind of like, and it was just like down the rabbit hole ever since that. You know, you know that <laughs> in the frame. Uh, awesome. It's a great group. Um, and then, so I was able to buy like kits and ingredients from Gluten Free Homebrewing, which is, um, until I came along, the only like gluten free homebrew store in the country. And they do mail order. I did a couple of kits. I was like, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna go. I'm all in. I'm I'm just buying like pounds of grain and making my own recipes. And then I start running around like I want to. I want to try and find, you know, what else is out there. And then like I found Haas mm -hmm. and I found the oats that they have, and I started playing with that and finding. And then more recently, like Skagit Valley out in Oregon came out with, um, they're doing some millets and some buckwheats. And, you know, so it's like, I'm just 100% all in. And I was like, yeah, just open up my home store. <laughs> <laughs> a good way to start. How did you become, uh, become involved with becoming, uh, like their brand ambassador? Um, what'd you say the, the brewery was again? It was, uh, so. It's uh, Groundbreaker Brewing out of Oregon. Groundbreaker. Um, okay. So a couple years ago, um, I actually started a Facebook group for trading gluten-free beer because, I mean, it's, like, so hard to find. And, mm -hmm. like, at the time, there was, like, uh, a dozen or so uh, brewers around the country that made gluten-free beer. And I was like, you know, we, we need to be able to trade this shit. Like, you know, I, I can find this one. You find that one. You know, you trade around. I want to try more. Um, and through that, I got some Groundbreaker beer. And I tasted a couple, wrote some reviews. Um, the owner and a couple of his brewers are in the Zero Tolerance group. It was like, they saw my reviews and we started talking about brewing and all of this. And then they're like, Mm -hmm. We want to come into Michigan. <laughs> Can you help? I was like, oh, oh yeah. sweet. Um, right. So through you know some other friends, I had a contact at Imperial Beverage, and got James Meister in contact with Imperial, and you know a year and a half later, they're in the state. Awesome. Where how many uh, how many stores are they sold around? Or are they on, like on tap anywhere, or, or how does that work? Because like I can't um, imagine like if they're on tap somewhere, like it, it might they might have issues with cross contamination too, right? Maybe or like, exactly. Or, okay. Um, they're they're not on tap anywhere in Michigan that I know of. 
they have very specific um, protocols if you are going to go on tap. It's honestly better just to go with hands. Um, you know, depending on your location, it could be something that, you know, moves kind of in you know, a little bit too slow to be on tap. Or, and there's just a contamination issues. I feel a lot yeah, more comfortable if someone just bringing me a can from the brewery and I put it in my glass. You know, that way it's like, I see that this is the product I asked for. I mean, you, you bring me a glass of beer, it's like, kind of like that pizza. It's like, okay, this piece too good to be gluten free um <laughs> then you're freaking out you know at least if they bring you the can it's like oh it said indicated certified gluten free you know i can read the ingredients um and i mean because i talked to uh sedona tap house about it and they asked me about you know, buying kegs i kind of told them the same thing i'm like as a celiac i would rather you bring me a can and I mean, their beer comes out out of a can, fantastic. I don't really think that mm -hmm. it's get anything. You know, it's not going to be better enough off, you know, on tap to make it worthwhile. Um, maybe if they come out with something like a nitro stout that you really can only do on tap, um, mm -hmm. maybe that. <laughs> but otherwise, <laughs> you know, for distribution, I would just go with cans or bottles and. You know, keep it simple. It's a it's a market waiting to be tipped. Yeah. Do you? I mean, I guess speaking of that, since you've become involved with you know becoming a a brand ambassador, like have you since seen like around in Michigan, like a I don't know, like a like a like a gap that needs to be filled, like a like people are really like yeah, like bring on the gluten free beer, like we we need that. You know, what what have you seen? Um, I mean, I do see a gap, like, whenever I go out to eat, like, there's very few places that actually have gluten-free beer um, available. A lot of times, I ask for gluten-free beer, and they're like, oh, we have a mission. And I'm like, no, that's gluten-reduced. You cannot legally call it gluten-free, according to the FEA and the DV. Um, it's made with barley, and it still contains gluten, no matter what the fuck they try to tell you. Um, and there's actually a research study done by a gluten tolerance group. Um, there's uh, actually the uh, lead scientist went on, uh, was it Brew Lab, episode 14 is hmm. the celiac response to gluten in beer. And it breaks it down. It's like they've scientifically proven that uh, gluten-reduced beer is not safe for celiac. And, I mean, I can attest to that because I tried one and I got... What, uh, what is technically like a gluten-reduced beer? Is, like a, is that something that they're adding to the beer post-fermentation to try to like drop out like gluten yeah. or something like that? Or Okay. They, they add clarity firm to it, which was designed to break proteins to prevent um, chill haze. And then, you know, someone's like, oh, look, it, it makes the test think that uh, there's no gluten because it breaks down proteins. And it's like, yeah, but you can't actually uh, use those tests on fermented hydrolyzed products. And beer is, you know, it's hydrolyzed when you mash it and then it's fermented. And there pretty much is no um, accepted way to 
know, truly test how much gluten is remaining in a in beer that's been treated like that. Um, oh, and it's it's known that there, and even the manufacturers state we can't actually tell you how much gluten is remaining in this beer. It's, you know, like that star thing that you have to read the fine print on. But yeah, yeah, it you know, and it's like you know, would you give a vegan, you know, meat reduced burger? <laughs> yeah, you know, so you 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 can't just spray some shit on a burger on ground beef and it's not meat anymore. It's still fucking meat, you know. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I uh like only only slightly switching topics like i'm i'm like crushing this beer um and this was this was the the hydra that you made with those those hydra hops um, mm -hmm. and i'm i'm digging it. i'm really loving that hop. right you're right it, it sort of has like a really uh well I don't, I don't remember what you said about the hop this one specifically but it's very like a grapefruity it's citrusy. like a mimosa yeah 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 mm-hmm I, I get a lot of orange off of it, almost like a mimosa. It's, I mean, not quite mimosa. It's like most mimosa with hops or something, but mimosa. No, it's it, it's super fruity, <laughs> super citrusy, really, just really delicious. Yeah. yeah. And that's a no dry um, hop. Is this like a? You said there was no dry hop. No dry hop in the bottles I sent you. Awesome. Yeah, the, the aroma is like yeah, killer. it's definitely like way up there. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I can't what, what I was just gonna say. About one it. thing that impressed me is how there's I don't get any of that like green vegetal, you know, like funkiness. It's just flavorful. Um, yeah. And, it, and I've used it doesn't uh, taste quite a bit. Yeah, you know, I think some of the other beers I've made with a. Uh, Emerald Spire, I use quite a bit, and it's like still no, no vegetable. Uh, yeah, and and you probably get this a lot, um, and so I hate like saying it, but like you know, it doesn't taste like a gluten-free beer. Like it, <laughs> you know, like like everybody sort of they probably have like these preconceived notions of what like gluten-free beer should taste like or something, and uh, um, and, and I can't wait to get to the commercial examples too. But um, yeah, right, it's uh, it's 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 fantastic. It it's like any other beer I've had, you know, so um, yeah, it's a very special episode. I, I Pretty am much. digging it. <laughs> you know, people always say, oh, this doesn't taste gluten-free. And I'm like, okay, well, what yeah. would a gluten-free taste <laughs> like? And 99% of the time, it's either thin, land, body or head retention, or they have this weird metal playing thing and that's um common in beers like red bridge where it's 100 percent sorghum syrup and honestly i mean red bridge is kind of like the probably the shittiest gluten-free beer there is um <laughs> if you don't use sorghum correctly it gets this weird weird taste to it um and the sorghum syrup that, like, you know, like that white sorghum syrup you find in the homebrew store, it's not even malted. Um, freeze takes raw white sorghum, and they mash it with enzymes, and they make this extract. 
I mean, it does make beer. You can make good beer with it. Um, but it does have this weird, weird taste to it. Yeah. Right. It's not the best beer. Um, like the <laughs> one that you're drinking right now, that's, I made it with uh, malted red sorghum. And that malted red sorghum, I get zero twang. You know, zero of that sorghumy flavor that makes it taste gluten free. You know, that people identify with gluten free beers. Right. I, uh, I want to I want to get back to like um, like you you mentioned the enzymes and, and actually like the brewing process with um, you know uh, sorghum and, yeah. and rice and omal and stuff. But um, uh, Drew in our chat actually brought up a question um, that I thought was interesting that I didn't consider. He's uh, he says, "Do you have to be careful about yeast sourcing too? Is dry yeast safer? Yeah. I know liquid often has some wort with it, uh, which also contains yeah. gluten." Right. So. Essentially, when you're making anything that's going to be gluten-free, including mead or uh, cider, you need to stick with a dry yeast. Um, there hmm. are a few gluten-free liquid yeasts available. Um, I know, uh, I think it was Imperial put out bubbles a year or two ago. And, oh, I do remember that one. You know, okay. that was like specifically for cider, right? And that was on gluten-free uh, medium. And then just recently they did one for seltzers. And, oh. you know, that one's also on a gluten-free medium. Um, I believe they use organ, which, I mean, is fine. Um, there's uh, Propagate Labs makes a few that they sell through uh, gluten-free homebrewing. And then uh like biology has one there, I think it's Oslo, the their Kavike. Um you have the option of getting it on gluten free. Um and I've talked to them about doing some of their other yeasts on a gluten free medium and it I mean it just really comes down to, you know, can I sell twenty? <laughs> of this to yeah. make it you know make it happen um and you know that that can be a little harder than you might think in some you know some regards probably something to look at more in the fall or winter just because of you know shipping it and everything you know don't really want to ship it when it's 110 outside mm-hmm <laughs> I uh, I know you can't see us or the chat right now, so Drew says thanks. Um, so getting back to and that is awesome info. Like I had never even considered that. Like I saw that <laughs> bubbles was you know uh, gluten free, and and it never occurred to me that it was the medium that they were talking about. I was like, I can make a I can make a regular beer with this. Like, what are they talking about? So, um, <laughs> but so um, Jason and I kind of want to talk about brewing uh, the gluten free beer uh, kit yeah. that you sent yeah. us, and I I had the recipe somewhere and I totally lost it. But um, <laughs> it, it was it was very it was it was very much like brewing a normal beer, but it had um, it had a couple extra steps and specifically. Um, you sent us three enzymes. Um, so yes. um, you had us mash at different temperatures and you sent us the, ma the the different enzymes. Can you 
tell me like why uh, there was all these different like mash uh, temps that we were mashing at and what all the different enzymes were potentially and you know, uh, what was going on there. Sure. So I sent you, it's a Ceramit Flex um, on Diapro and uh, Termamyl. And so the gluten-free grains do not have sufficient um, endogenous egg enzymes to, you know, like fully convert the starches into sugar that, you know, yeast mm -hmm. can eat and turn into alcohol and CO2. So you have to turn to, you know, lab-produced enzymes. Um, the uh, mass schedule I sent you is like uh, 20 minutes at 125. That's uh, basically a protein rest, um, which, I mean, and a lot of our laborers do the same. Um, and so, really, the function is exactly the same as it is with our labor. And um, the Ceramix has, you know, like there are certain enzymes in there that help start breaking down cell walls. Or I, I think it's the idea and the Ceramix. Um, those are they're complexes of, you know, different enzymes. Um, mm -hmm. And they're actually first developed for, uh, what you, like, um, either, like, severely under-modified malts or just raw grain, uh, like, barley <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> right? <laughs> and and uh, then they found that they work really well with, you know, the gluten-free grains. Cool. Um, then it, it was like a 145 or 155 step for about 45 minutes. And that's where, like, the Andean ceramics really start, you know, doing their thing and breaking everything down, uh, breaking down those cell walls, getting the starches available and starting to break them down into long chains. And then as you go up in temperature, you start really breaking down the long chains into the short chains um, so that you can, you know, uh, you know get a good fermentation. Um, sure. Also, yeah, yeah. the <laughs> gluten-free grains have a, have a much higher uh, gelatinization temperature, like, you know, in the high 160s, I think, for the most part. Um, and like uh, the Ceramix was kind of a game changer for us because it sort of lowers the uh, gelatinization temperature of the grains through enzymes. I'm not enough of a scientist to understand exactly how it does it, yeah. but it works. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so we go with it. Are those uh, um, are those like a those two came standard set of? Oh, sorry. Are those like a standard set of enzymes that you use for like, like much every brew? Is that like common in like the, yeah. the gluten-free like home brewing like community like those? Yep. Those those are they they are sort of the new standard for the most part. Um, we used to use the Tramamol, and then we would mash in at like one one eighty with Tramamol, and you would cool it down to like. 145 and add uh, Sabamol L, and there's like a Sabamol something, the S100. 
Um, oh, hmm. Bamel, Bale 100, I don't know. Some other enzymes. Um, <laughs> yeah. And when the Andea and Ceramics came out, uh, brewers were like, oh, I just went from like 80% efficiency to 110% efficiency on my mash. We're like, oh, look, we just unlocked a lot more fucking sugar. Um, and they've actually had to like re recalibrate basically what these brains, you know, PPGs are because of these enzymes. So that's like just a huge step. Uh, and I mean, it, it's a huge uh, money saver too. Because yeah. you, oh, you yeah. need like, yeah. you know, 20% less grain to make the same beer. And I can't imagine that the grains that you're using so how did are your brew day particularly cheap. <laughs> um, oh, no. They're yeah. very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the brew day went good. I don't. So um, when you. We'll we'll take a step back. So when we were first discussing uh, us brewing this beer, um, mm -hmm. like I have a mill, and and uh, you know I was like, oh, you know I can mill my own grain, it's fine. But then you brought up uh, two points: one, uh, cross contamination again, because my grain is filthy, dirty with dust, and uh, and two. Uh, and, and I can tell, you know, looking at all these different samples that you sent us, uh, each of these probably has a completely different mill gap. Um, and, oh, and, yeah. And oh, that I didn't wasn't something that I wanted that. to mess with. Yeah. Wow. So, so uh, you milled all this for us, and I really appreciate that. Um, mm -hmm. And I can't even imagine that, the, the hell that you have to go through to do that. Um, but yeah, did you include rice hulls with uh, with no, the stuff that you bad. sent us too? Um, that recipe uses oats, and those those malted oats have uh, the hulls on them. <clears throat> uh, that's what it was. So that, that's what you I, found I, there. That you know, right? It was rice hulls. It's actually oat hulls, which are a little bit thicker than rice hulls, um, and they make an excellent filter bed. Yeah, now that, now that I see the, 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 the sample of the oat that you sent us, I, I get it. But yeah, I mean, when it was ground up, I was like, oh, man, it looks like there's rice hulls. But definitely this grain, yeah, has a similar hull texture. Mm -hmm. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break into this. Uh, what, was the, yeah. what was it called again? Ghost in the Fog was the one that we uh, brewed? Yeah, Ghost in the Fog. Hazy IPA. And that really did live up to its name. Like, you know, let me show the, the camera. I mean, yeah, really, really solid, you know, haze color, nice orange. Um, you know, still has a good head. Uh, what, what did we use? I'm drawing a blank. I don't have the recipe in front of me, Brian. What were the hops on these? For sure it was Centennial and Citra, uh, but I don't remember the third. Well, then, it was Centennial... Oh my god! Now I can't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> El Dorado and um, Amarillo, I think. Okay, I'm yeah, saying there was Citra Amarillo. Amarillo that been a, okay. Oh, it was Citra. Citra, not 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 El Dorado. Citra. Okay. Right. Okay. 
Yeah, it's just too many hot sales floating around in my brain right now. I am sure. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. No, it. Uh, I, I don't really think we ran into any issues. So it was a longer brew day because of the step mashing that um, that I mentioned and, and you discussed. Um, mm-hmm. No spuck, spuck sparge because of the the oat hauls, which was nice. Um, Jason has a nice setup that allows for recirculate, uh, recirculating wort and stuff like that. Uh, so our efficiency was lower than expected, nice. but still not bad. Um, did you happen to take a final gravity on this, Jason? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> so that's so that's like the one step that I, I miss on on all of our brews. But I, I I really feel like I feel like it dropped it dropped right down. Um, and and if I remember right, Brian, from your conversation in Messenger, I think uh, you you normally expect this to hit in like the the ten o was it ten o seven range. Um. So, uh, t- but right about ten to below four. Oh, ten o four even. Okay, yeah, I. I feel like it, it, it dried right out. I mean, um, it's still, you know, it got a juicy mouthfeel. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, so with our numbers, uh, what was it? This should have been like a, what, like a five and a half, um, maybe yeah. a little bit higher. Yeah, what I say we hit? It's 10, right about the, the target for it is about a five and a half percent. Yeah. Um, I think the target is like 10, 40 or something for the OG. Maybe we hit 40 then. I know we were something like four points, five points off or something, but yeah, we're just a little bit low. Um, but you know, it was my first time, like, I, you know, I, I do have, I have a single tier that allows me to, you know, kind of set the temperature points and, and circulate through them. But um, it, it was nice. just, uh, it was my, my first time kind of like walking through that. And so I think, you know, we, we, we got close <laughs> to the, to the, to the temperature steps, but, um, I think you did very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I were to do it again, I, I think I'd, I'd prepare a little bit differently. Like even the funny thing about it is like, just, um, you know, what I laughed at with Brian is just, just trying to use my tap water, which I, I have, I live out in the country. I have a, I have a wonderful well that has just amazing water Oh nice. and I don't have anything between me and the well. Um, it's, we've tested it. It's great for brewing. And so that, that's another thing I like, but my tap water comes out at hotter or uh, higher than 125. Um, so I was already like, you know, just my base water was over our first, uh, step edition. So we had to kind of cool it down a little bit. Yeah. Like, and, and I mean, I've fun. done that. I've mashed in at, you know, 135 and like that, that protein rest, I don't think affects your, you know, efficiency as much as maybe, you know, some of the less, you know, measurable items like, you know, head retention, body. Um, I know pH is pretty important. And I mean, that's one I struggle with. And I'm lucky in Troy, but our water is pretty good. So my best results, I, I just use my straight tap water, throw in a Captain tablet to knock out the chlorine. And I'm mm-hmm. usually pretty damn close to where I want to be pH-wise. You know, your target's like about 5.2. Um, I'm usually about maybe 5.4, 5.5. Five. Yeah, yeah. My, my pH water, or my pH comes in right around there. Ooh. 
Somebody yeah. got a goal. Or yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, the, the beer, you know, it came out, it was a, it was a long brew day. It was an interesting brew day. Um, I've never uh, injected chemicals uh, <laughs> or the enzymes down into <laughs> the kettle. That was kind of fun. And we had a, a, a friend of ours with us, Brandon, so we kind of all like ceremoniously got around and uh, injected at the same time. It, it was fun. Uh, and and yeah. then it came out. I love that picture. The, the three hands and yeah. the three syringes. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, that was yeah. awesome. Yeah, and speaking of Brandon, he brought up a question here in chat. He would he would like to know if uh, brewing a bag is popular with gluten free. Yeah, can't even say it. Gluten free <laughs> brewing. Um, he says he can see the uh, advantages for milling purposes, if nothing else. But yeah, just I guess on that aspect, is brewing a bag popular with gluten free? Oh, very. Um, one thing that one of the challenges with the gluten-free grains they're a lot smaller as you can see than you know uh, your usual brewing grains and so like i, I run with my uh, anvil system i run a, a screen it's like a 500 micron screen um or you know the easy option is you just get a brew bag because those are already you know thousand to 500 micron as is and I mean, it makes it a lot easier, so you're just not going to get as much, um, you know, like grain particles making it through yeah, your fault yeah. bottom. I mean, I would say like... The, and now, the, did you guys use a brew bag or did you... No, I, I just used the false bottom. That, that, that's what I was going to say is, like, when I did the clean okay. out, when I, when I mashed uh, or cleaned my mash ton, I could see... A lot of the the holes in my mash tun were like the same diameter as a millet seed. Like, and, yeah. and some did get through, you know, and, and and that's fine, you know. Like I said, or Brian said, we recirculate, and and a lot of that, you know, kind of, I, I still captured it. But uh, yeah, there's a there's these grains are a lot smaller than what we would traditionally use, for sure. Right, and that's a part of the problem with you know milling is trying to get it milled correctly you know most of your uh commercial mills are designed for um you know gluten grains and they just they don't have a tight enough gap or like the mm. little knurls and stuff on the rollers are actually sort of big enough where the grain falls in between them and doesn't oh, wow. just doesn't get crushed yeah so you know people are using like, like uh you know the monster mill they're running it through there, and they're like, "Yeah, half of my mill is not even crushed." <laughs> wow! So they'll, you know, they'll have to run it through a couple of times. Or, um, like gluten-free home brewing sells a, a customized mill that, like, they had the um, the rollers machined, and you know, some other, I guess, adjustments or whatever machined in, so that you can get the gaps that you need. Um, I'm just using a Corona mill. And I just do it kind of by, okay. you know, I, I run a couple ounces through and I grab it in my hand. I look at it and I'm like, I oh, got to loosen it up and turn it in half. <laughs> <laughs> well, yep, that looks about right. There you go. Right on. And uh, shout out to Brandon again, because thank you for, uh, yeah, I, I forgot to call him out that he was there brewing this beer with us. So 
Thanks, Brandon. Uh, appreciate you. <laughs> we have him on Sigatru, the show occasionally. So, Sigatru, uh brewing guest. You know, he he showed up for the cool stuff and then ditched out before we had to clean. But <laughs> I did that yesterday to him, so it's all good. I wasn't even there, so I, I can't really complain. <laughs> I, was, I was up north that weekend. Do you, uh, Brian? Do you want to like? I don't know if it's like a thing you want to do, but you want to like talk us through uh, trying some of this grain, maybe? I think we all have samples. I split it out between all of us. Sure. Yeah. So let's um, see. Um, there's one. It's kind of like the whole lot are red, and it's uh, little spheres. The sorghum. It was Mark sorghum. Yeah, the the red sorghum. Yeah. yeah. Um, is that that's what I've been using as a base grain. It's kind of an experimental uh, malt right now for us. It's really only available to me through uh, Bard, which is they're one of the early um, producers, and um, I just happen to be you know friends with a family that owns the company, and so I've I'm able to buy their surplus. Uh, sorghum malt, and okay. it's like their proprietary ingredient that makes their beer the way their beer is versus um, Redbridge. Uh, and if you compare that to the one that is uh, uh, the pale millet, you can see like the difference in grain size. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I definitely on this this which, sorghum is it um, is it roasted malted like regular barley is would be. It, it basically it's just a pale malt, so it's you know very very lightly roasted. If any, um, sometimes like if I do a beer that's got a you know a lot of that sorghum in it, at first it looks really red, but that redness mm-hmm. just dropped out, and that's just from the hulls. Um, yeah, and I mean I'll I'll transfer it to my fermenter, and it looks like it's going to be red as hell, and then. You know, by the time I'm serving it, it's you know brilliant yellow. Um, I was surprised that it's um, there's advantages. The content, like it tastes very starchy. What's I that? Can see why that's? I was just saying, okay. I was surprised like it tastes very starchy, yeah. and, and you can see where that that would be a good base malt. It's got a lot of of um, of that that kind of same starch sugar in it. It's it's clean, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. So so I just tasted that, and then I, I had some of the pale millet too. And the pale millet, you know, it has that same, you know, cleanliness. It's easier to chew, but it almost has a little bit of like a salt thing to it too. Like, like on yeah. my lips, I almost just taste a little bit of salt or something. Yeah. Um, which is like interesting. The, the red sorghum is definitely sweeter, starchier. Um, it's got more depth, or, or the millet, the, the millet, the regular millet, which because we've already kind of tasted the roasted millet, um, but the, the regular millet just does kind of taste yeah. bland and like not much to it. But it's neat. so then we we, we did uh, Brian and I when he was over earlier. We I tasted this uh, roasted millet, the C10 okay. millet. So that's that's what I would I would assume is the the, the equivalent here is they're going for like a, a caramel ten or a cara ten. Uh, to get some of that color, that roastiness. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's a, a kid calls it a caramel ten malt. Um, I'll usually use like uh, one to two pounds. Like I think the hydro used uh, one pound of it in there, just to give a little bit of a sort of a maltiness to it. Um, you know that you can't quite get off of a, a pale mm-hmm. pale malt, especially gluten free. Um, so one thing that's interesting with gluten free is I actually did a beer that was 100% the C10, and hmm. I massively overshot my original gravity on it by like 20 points. So instead of you know I left, I ended up with like a six and a half percent beer. Um, it's a, amazing. And how it, much I mean, you, that's just because we use all these enzymes. It's like, you know, right. yeah, I can make something yeah. that's, you know, out of pretty much anything. Right. Were you saying something, Jordan? Yeah, I was going to say there's a surprising difference between the C10 millet and the regular. Like, the regular millet almost kind of <clears> sandy, <throat> but the C10, like, honestly, I actually kind of just like it i might snack on that the rest of the show it is a good snack i i totally am 100 with you it's got an amazing malt flavor it starts to get some of that sweetness you know we just talked about this last week in the club where you know you start getting those adding those roasting notes up you know to get some of those like stone fruit or raisin characteristics and, and you can see just going into the the c10 range of this i you already started mm-hmm. picking up on some of that um now i Let think me, um, brian do they go higher than this I'm sorry. Are they, are, they, are they going higher with this? Or, I mean, can you get like a C? Oh, yeah. You know, 40 or, or 60. Got, I, like, I imagine these things burn out quick, but. They go all the way up into the hundreds. Um, really? Like, say, I, the uh, rice you have there, it's like, that's about uh, 400. And I think the highest millet I can think of offhand is about, it's like 350. Um. Like, I mean, I've got some chocolate millet. It's fucking phenomenal. They're so small, though. Um, like, is there anything left? Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I would have figured. Uh, the, <laughs> millet can be a pain in the ass, and you know, because it's so small, like, with my uh, Corona mill, that's where the, well, I guess the shaft is, I actually get, like, unmilled millet that comes out the backside right, you know, where the handle or the drill is. Oh, no. And like I don't that with uh, sorghum because it's a little bit bigger. Um, that's one thing I'm experimenting with is roasting the sorghum with a uh, coffee bean roaster to try to make like a you know dark oh, roast wow. in the coffee Interesting. roast with that. Okay. This uh, yeah. this may be something that you do or don't know. I was tasting the C10 millet, and like Jason said, it did have a little bit of mm-hmm. sweetness to it. Um, but from my my limited knowledge of like malting and stuff like that, um, the reason that like the caramel malts have some sweetness is because um, they they raise the heat of those uh, malts to activate those enzymes that then converts uh, you know. Uh, the starches into sugars within the malt, but this millet mm. doesn't. Ha- they don't. It doesn't have that starches, right? Like, do you know where that sweetness is coming from? Is it all in my head, or are the enzymes? It's, so there are um, endogenous enzymes in millet. It's just like you know, a much lesser degree than it is in barley. 
Um, okay, okay. So that's part of what goes into play. And then you've got you know, a lot of the Maillard reaction going on just to get those caramelize the sugars they're able mm-hmm. to produce. Um, I know that, uh, like, for my conversations with Gadget, like, you know, you can't take the, the process you use for barley and just, like, throw millet, you know, and do the exact same thing. There's differences in their working on it, you know, kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's... There's definite similarities, but, you know, there's definitely some differences in the details. You know, I often say, like, uh, with with gluten-free brewing, where you might be able to do beer with, you know, say, you know, like, like true smash. I've done smash beers, but you're going to probably get better results using a couple of different grains to get... Sure. You know, sort of that full profile of, you know, one's great as a base, and then you you want to bring some buckwheat or something in to get um, uh, body and head, um, and, you know, like whatever proteins. Uh, oh, another thing I use is lentils. The uh, hydra I use oh. a pound of lentils. Oh, that's interesting. To help with uh, body and head retention. And it's the lentils are like crazy. nothing for sugar. Um, sure. It's say, aren't, aren't lentils considered a bean? Sort of an adjunct to get head. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that is part of that. Aren't, aren't they a legume? Yeah. Legume. Well, yeah. yeah, I think all beans <laughs> fit into that. But that's weird. That I'd be worried about getting like some vegetal flavors off of them. But we drank Hydra, and I didn't taste that at all. So. Um, yeah, I think. It, I've never gotten any weird flavors off of the lentils. I think, uh, I think, so we're tasting, I'm, I just ate some of the pale oat. I just did too. It's super husky. <laughs> yeah, I'll get them back. Yeah. I don't think I can, I don't think I can swallow that. I don't, I don't think I can <laughs> digest but all that. It's just a super interesting flavor. Um, you know, it was very, it tasted good grassy and green and that's really cool <laughs> that's, um, uh, that was good I'm still trying to chew I took a big handful of stuff <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine what that was like I just took like a little pinch I refuse like, to be uh, defeated by the husks so oh, well, pardon okay. me while I when he starts joking out we'll just takes. take him off stream <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, I think uh, I, we have to try this. Uh, so I'm, I'm actually, we all are big on the black beers. We're big brewers and black beers. And, and I'm really curious about this. Uh, this is the blackest malt that you sent us. Now to try to, to show this is. Okay. Yeah. Black, black rice. Right. You say it was like uh, a jasmine a or roasted jasmine. Or something. It's a, Mine came in a sample. If I remember right, it's jasmine rice that it's grown in California. Um, after malting is they're like the only uh, outfit that does rice malt, and I mean, Jim has got that down to a science. 
It's totally. Um, I mean, it's just like uh, chewing like a crawfish. I'm sorry. Some people report what? That's kind of like our version of black patent. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's got the charcoal. Um, mm -hmm. You know, still got kind of that malt bitter, that that burnt bitter um, that you get off of like a black patent or right. But because it doesn't have a hull, I don't think you're getting as much. Um, that's why I was I was kind of comparing it to a Crafa three, which is a dehusked. Um, you know, kind of version of black patent uh, where they've, they've removed the husk. And so it's a deep bittered. You get really more of that roast than you do of the burnt. Yeah. Those should have, those have the hulls on them. It doesn't, well, I mean, if they do, it's a much more delicate hull than the, the farley <laughs> oh, hull. Yeah. 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 Because <laughs> yeah, there's nothing there. I, I mean, it just disappears. Yeah. But. Yeah, and that one. Like, I guess what I'm saying. Um, go ahead. It was like the uh, uh, rice holes on like the darker rices. Um, they don't really contribute a lot of flavor, supposedly, but they do help color. Um, I mean, you know, too much of them, and you're going to start getting some astringency, of course. But yeah. Like there's uh, one of the brewers I was talking to actually uses basically uh, hulls off of some of the roasted rices just to help add color to beer. Wow, that's super interesting. Uh, there's so many kind of like yeah, little, so uh, tricks little, little differences and tricks beer. that yeah, you know yeah. come into play once you figure out how to use that. Thanks. I uh, just cracked open one of the uh, uh, the groundbreaker beers, uh, Mellow Meridian. Um, is yep, so I, I noticed almost that you a, said a lot style. of uh, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, if you like dark beers, that a dark will be interesting to you. And I, I was gonna, you know, say too. I forgot to mention this on the beginning of the show too. I promise that, like Brian and I aren't, and you know, Jason, whatever. We're not trying to talk over to each other. There's, there's like a like a half second lag between us right now. So right. Uh, Didn't you I, say I apologize. That at the beginning of the show. <laughs> I know. I totally, but I absolutely <laughs> did an hour ago. So uh, here we are. This is the uh, the official beginning of the show now. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh right. fifty nine minutes in. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember what I was going to say about it, other than I was opening it. I'm about to open IPA number five. Uh, so one of the things we got a sample of these, so we don't all have the same one, so we get to try different ones. Did you say there was a, a black one, Brian, that, that you sent over? Yeah, I've got one. I think he was talking about the malt. Oh, okay. right before we tried that. Yeah. And then the only the only mall I don't think we really didn't try was the pale buckwheat, which looks like uh, chocolate chips. Yeah, was it? I mean, I've oh, got, yeah, that's I've the, got uh, a dark ale. Buckwheat. 
Oh, Jordan does have a dark one. Right. Oh, Jack, you get a dark beer. Okay. I'll I'll crack it next. So, Brian, what's oh, yeah, the, the uh, dark? Mm -hmm. Sorry, what's that? What is the uh, we use the buckwheat for mostly? Um, mostly for I use like one to two pounds in a you know each five gallon batch. Mostly for head retention. Body. Um, it does have kind of like like a nutty character to it. Yeah, I got that. So. It, you know, it's one of those things where it kind of helps round out your entire flavor profile. But it, you know, the one of the main purposes is body and head retention. It was it was definitely pretty husky. Like, it was yeah, hard, hard it's, to chew. <clears throat> it's a little deceiving because it's really dark looking. It looks like chocolate but, flakes. Yeah, but the SRM's only listed as what three point eight on this, so it doesn't really add too much color. To the beer. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Now that, that once once you break that husk off of it, it's like. Huh. Yeah. So I, I can tell you this: like uh, for the last twenty-five years of my life, I've been sleeping on buckwheat husk pillows, so I know that they last forever and they won't break down. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. What? Oh my god! It's, it's the most amazing thing in the world, dude. When, when I was like 18 years old, I stayed up late one night and watched this infomercial for Sobakawa pillows, and I bought two of them, and I've been I've been sleeping on them ever since. Uh, welcome welcome to the new show, Michigan Sleep. Now we can use the yeah. pillows, and we can make beer out of them. Yeah. You're, you're using well, that, that totally that, the wrong way, man. That's what was hard for me when I when I got this. I was like, this, this isn't brewing material. This is sleeping material. This is, this is what I put my head on. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing i learned today i learned all right now i'm gonna look for a new pillow i'm just about due too i you know i i i know i um i just buy bulk wheat husks in 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 bulk now then <laughs> i kind of refill make my own pillow out of it uh it is the best uh best pillow ever so that's what we do here we yeah. spend the main topic uh, <laughs> Google that shit. What was the name topic again? Huh? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So here's the dark. So yeah, I mean, it's got some. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's got mm -hmm. some nice, uh, nice and deep browns in there. It looks, it looks good. I just want to see what you make of this aisle for that one. All right, Jordan reviews dark beer. Right. <laughs> Great on the spot. Interesting. All right, that's the no, review. Yeah, You're here to hear first. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> one word. No, no, it's it's good. It actually like it's hard to see it in the in the camera. Like maybe if I shine my light behind it, but putting it up it looks in front red. of my it is it is it's very it's very yeah. red. It's very clear. Um, it it tastes darker than it looks, which is it kind of kind of messing with my head. Because it does, it kind of has like um, um, there's a lot of roasty characters to it. Uh, it's, it's pretty clean, lightweight in the body, um, but there's some like citrusy, like yeah, there's almost like a citrusy character to it. I don't know. I don't know how where I would put this in terms of style. I mean, 
I don't know. It's, it's for, good. Uh, I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, for, for anybody uh, watching the show uh, later on, make sure to check out the comments for the uh, the Sobakawa traditional buckwheat pillow. Uh, we, we're we're now an official sponsor. <laughs> and then, uh, Jordan, thank you for that insightful Little review. Yeah. Uh, you, can, uh, you can definitely go judge beer for uh, NHC next year. Oh, perfect. You guys need judges? <laughs> Just one word. That's all I need, right? One word. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that, that was NHC this year. Yeah, 100%. You got it. Um, so, before so I picked the, um, that dark as being like an English mild. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, yeah, that would, expl- that would kind of explain the color then. Yeah, that's, that'd be on point. Or uh, I guess a dark English mild, because it's you know, it, especially as it warms up, you like a lot of fruity notes, and then warms up a little bit more, you get like some like really intense coffee notes. Yeah, like I, like I think I was I was alluding to that. Like it tasted citrusy, but like it does have quite a bit of a good roasty character to it as well. Mm-hmm. I've I've never really tried like this is my first time really getting into you know gluten free beer as I, I think same with Jason and um, mm-hmm. our Brian right like I don't know I'm <laughs> you have no reason to so yeah I mean this is I'm I'm thoroughly impressed so far like, it's all I, it's, uh, it's very good I have a a, a friend oh good um, that, that that's part of my goal goal is i want to help you know dispel you know the rumors that gluten-free beer is shit um because yeah. honestly yeah. it can be pretty damn good and you know i swear that it's possible to make a gluten-free beer that's you know as good as any other beer that's out there and you know some of them you, you gotta really work at certain uh you know get certain uh flavor notes in there um But, you know, I mean, if I can make, you know, like the hydra or the uh, ghost in the fog, and you guys said it didn't taste like, you know, crap. Um, I, no, I drank the no. whole thing and, and didn't really realize it. It's not like I had to, like, you know, focus on it. So that That's the, you know, that's the, I don't, I've right. mentioned this on the show before, too, but, like, that's the end goal for me, like, for a beer like if i can just drink it and talk and i'm drinking and talking then my like glass is empty at some point in time i don't know it's a good beer to me that's so, yeah, right not focused on it yeah yeah that's how it was with the two bottles you brought me brian that's i mean they're both gone so yeah like, it's <laughs> I, I didn't even realize i had kind of went through i was on my second one until the, my wife texted me because she wanted to try them all. And uh, she's like, Hey, I want to try those beers. I'm like, ah, okay. I'm on my second bottle. Come on. Come take a sample. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm, I moved on to this. Uh, Cause I've got, I've got the keg down in my basement of the, of the gluten free roots. So I moved on to ground breaker brewing. Um, where are they out of? I don't see it on the can. Or Oregon, right? Is it? Yeah, yeah. Part of Oregon. Oregon. Okay. One and I the interesting one, thing they use they use chestnuts in a lot of their beers. 
I was just looking at that. I was um, actually just about to ask you that. I was like, yeah. I, so I'm reading, I'm reading the can here. It's like sorghum, rice malt, grouse, buckwheat, and then chestnuts. I'm like, so what's up with uh, chestnuts? That's are they actually getting starch and converting up or converting um, off those or? So groundbreaker was one of the first. I mean, they were the first big loop brewery, um, you know, in the U.S. and Somehow they got into using chestnuts. They they get sugars out of them, and they get you know like some flavor and some you know I think like some body. Head. I'm not mm-hmm. sure exactly. I've never played with chestnuts. Never used them. Uh, okay. You know, to to make beer. No, I've never done anything with chestnuts. <laughs> I think they could be used to find them like chuck them at each other. That's about it. Um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, their beers are pretty damn good. It, you know, it's like if you've got a recipe, yeah, yeah. you know, a, a methodology that works for you, you can stick with it. Right. Yep. Yep. I also noticed on this dark ale, uh, they use tapioca as well. Like, yeah. Just the I'm looking at you know, it, uh, Jason went through his ingredients: minus sorghum, chestnuts, as we just talked about, organic lentils. Uh, Belgian style candy syrup, brown rice syrup, roasted uh, rice malt, cane sugar, organic tapioca, maltodextrin, and hops. You know, not, not bad. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's, that's another point I should make is if anyone's going out to make a gluten free beer, um, maltodextrin is something that will be to increase body and head. They need to be very careful because, um, Depending where you're buying it, that maltodextrin could be complete. Um, like I know that Cadillac uh, Straits, uh, whatever brand it is, the uh, maltodextrin they like on there, it says on there, you know, from wheat. So, you know, that's one of those you have to watch type of ingredients. Um, it may be from corn or tapioca or wheat. So, obviously, the one that's made from wheat. Is not going in any beer I could drink. Um, is that, I mean, that would just make it no longer good for you. Right on. So, so let's dive into the, 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 the shop, right? So you've got, you started your own homebrew shop focused on, on, on gluten-free brewing. How long have you been, yeah. uh, how, how long have you been doing that? Yes. <laughs> I started up in um, October. Uh, so October was that twenty. Um, wow. Okay. And I mean, this was completely, you know, known, no, you know, no huge investments. Um, it's all funded with cash out of my own pocket, and it's just. Very slowly growing. Um, I'm trying to source, you know, unique gluten-free uh, malts that aren't available elsewhere right now um, to try and give you know, gluten-free brewers some more options because you know there's there's more out there than um, what's been available so far through. Uh, Gluten-free home brewing, 
Um, I mean, his story is awesome, and he's got a lot of recipes. And they're all great. And you know, he talks from Eckert, which is they make the rice malt, and Grouse, which makes uh, Milton Buckwheat. Um, there's nothing wrong with any of their products. Is, I'm like, I want to see what else is out there and you know, kind of expand our scope. See if we can add, you know, add some colors to our palette. And, you know, I've got the, the sorghum. I've got the, uh, the oat malt. Um, tomorrow going down, I'm going to be picking up some 45 old oats, which I'm, like, super excited to play. Um, when can I get something you know, the more roast on it, the better. Um, and then, you know, I'm working with uh, Gadget Daily Malt out of Oregon. And, you know, they've got, like, they've got the seat and that they sent you. Um, they've got a Dexter Buckwheat, which, you know, no one else has right now. And that seems to contribute, you know, positively to retention um and you know that's kind of like my whole thing is like i just i want to take what's been done so far and try to expand upon it um i work with uh dos luz dos hold on it's spanish for too late they're a uh, brewery in colorado and they do all chicha and so i'm gonna put out like uh, a teacher recipe kit. Um, what was that last one? You might know it as, you know, the South American beer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the teacher and the patch it's all corn malt. Um, yeah. But you have to chew yeah, it. Traditionally, the, the ladies sit around and they do it up and they spit it out, but yeah. I'm not doing that. That's what you say. Oh, well, what six, you know, lab grown um, enzymes <laughs> in the mill. Mm. So, um, so, so this, so you basically you started this uh, because you got bored during COVID. I take it then. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, and I just got you know to that point where I'm like, I I, I want more than what's available. I I. Oh, look, I found a lot of malt, and it's like, oh, there's a fail here. You know, I started talking with bards, and they're like, hey, do you want to play with our malt? And I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah. Um, so, you know, I just with like, you know, a thousand pounds of malt, and I'm like, well, huh, that's a little more than I can use at once, so I might as well start something up with this, you know. And, you know, like I said, just adding to the conversation and taking my own... I think my room philosophy and like my palate is a little bit different because I've essentially only known being gluten free, so I'm just taking like mm -hmm. what tastes good tastes good instead of you know it doesn't exactly like you know uh, too hearted or exactly like uh, Bud Light. Who who gives a shit? If it's good beer, it's good beer. It's different and better than cider or meat or yeah. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Exactly. You gotta I mean, you gotta get your hops somehow, damn it. So 
So you, you, uh, we, we threw the link to your store up. Um, are you, do you have a physical location or are you all online? All online. All online. Perfect. Are you trying yeah. to focus on just like People the Michigan do, area yeah. or are you trying to I, be like national or? Uh, so I, I ship nationally. Um, People can, there's a, you know, local pickup option. So, you know, people can pick up locally and, um, like, you know, I could drop their or off over at Cadillac Straits or whatever. Usually Cadillac Straits is where I, I drop mm -hmm. over there and they're, those guys are so awesome. They've, um, helped me out a lot kind of, kind of mentored me through, you know, Certain learning curves, and um, you know they let me drop orders off to that, so someone can swing in and pick up, and hopefully buy some stuff from them. That's awesome. Sorry, didn't mean to like delay. I just wasn't sure if you were. <laughs> just didn't want to cut you off or anything like that. Um, right. No, I'm. I'm. It's, it's really awesome to hear. I. Uh, I'm glad that we have. Um, probably one of the, I can't imagine there's like a ton of homebrew, uh, gluten-free homebrew shops in the U S right now. Um, you know, you Google it and yeah, your site two. comes up and, and uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think there's so that, three in the entire world to my knowledge. Okay. That's awesome. I mean, it's I, cool. That you kind of. You're filling this gap, then. Um, yeah, because you know, yeah. seen it happening. You know, more and more people are, are, are looking for for this, and yeah. So that's really neat that you're doing it. Yeah. Um. I just you know, it started off as a totally personal adventure, and then it's just like you know, just kind of growing on its own. It's like, oh shit, I guess I might as well take some step. I I checked out that uh, zero tolerance, uh, you know, gluten free homebrew uh, group linked that earlier mm -hmm. and they have 1.4 thousand members uh so it's certainly no yep. small uh you know market it's not like it's just like a couple people here and there um right no, so that's awesome besides your website yeah. like are you on like twitter or instagram or anything like that oh yeah so i'm on instagram um both is gluten-free supply and gluten-free beer brand I'm on uh, Facebook is gluten free, you know, birth supply, gluten free beer brand. And then I have a a group that is gluten free beer, great taste. That's more focused on, you know, the commercial beers and there's people talking about them. And there's GF Beer Trader, which is, you know, more focused on, you know, people trading, trading the beers. You know, shipping beer would be illegal, though. So, you know, yeah, you yeah. have to work out you your uh, transportation things yeah. yourself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I do not encourage you to break the law. But just that one, one quick question pop in, um, you know, from a keeper here in town. Do you, uh, do you specifically, like, have any uh, clone kits available, like a gluten-free version of, of, like, a Two-Hearted or um, any of the other pop popular brands out there? Not, not yet. Um. I mean, people have asked me about that, and my thought is it would be exceedingly difficult to truly clone. Well, one, I can't clone something I can't taste. Um, mm. 
you know, I mean, could take a base, gluten free, you know, grain belt and throws, you know, the the uh, two hearted blown top bill at it and probably come in pretty close. Um, hop utilization seems to be uh, a bit different, especially if you're using uh, sorghum syrup because it in itself has certain bitterness. Um, and the general advice is take like five to ten IBU off of your station. Um, I mean, myself, I would never try to make a clone only because I, I feel like it's going to be different because ours is different ingredients. Um, yeah. You could make something where, oh, hey, you like too hard when you were able to drink barley beers, but you're gluten-free. Hey, you know what? Let's make you a beer with Centennial hops that you're going to love. It may not be exactly the same, but you're mm -hmm. going to love it. You know? Um, and, I mean, other beer might be able to pull it off if they actually know what you heard it. Can I don't. So he's he's clarifying now. Do you do you have anything like uh, any five gallon kits of your own uh, design that you sell on your uh, store? Um, yeah, the the Ghost in the Fog kit. That's the the current one I have out. Um, you know, before I put a kit up, I want to make sure it's like pretty dialed in. Yeah, yeah, that. sure. Um, I'm gonna work on a. We were uh, you know, the we were a test. Beta, beta testers or yeah <laughs> you got five you know initially kits of that um so like guys liked it pretty well do you have any uh like homebrew what clubs in uh, the, the Troy area did you say what what do we think of ghost in the fog um yeah i'm part of the Sorry, <laughs> there, was, there was no. There was more of a delay. There, there was a question than an answer. Uh, to go back, right. go back to Ghost of Fog. Um, like so, you you had mentioned the IDU thing, um, and I think that it's a combination of maybe it just being a little green, and um, and the um, and, and the IBU thing. It was a little bitter, but other than that, like again, that was the second beer that I had, and and just you know, drank down while we talked. So uh, no complaints about it. it. Just, just being like a, a good, easy drinking outdoor beer. Like it's something I would just like sip on while being outside and like doing shit. So uh, yeah, it's great. Right. Um, and in fact, when I, when I think of compared to this mellow Meridian, um, I mean, there, there's obviously a difference in, you know, the overall flavor, but in 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 general, like I feel like they're like comparable beers. So, okay. I, I mean, yeah, I, I give I give it a, a thumbs up to the to the recipe, like a hundred percent. Like it, it's if I were to buy a you know a gluten free beer from this brewery and you know expect a particular flavor, it would have been uh, your recipe. Uh, so yeah, it was you know, it was excellent. 
and you know it's it's obviously because Jason and I are just like you know pro expert homebrewers too, but you know, <laughs> you sure it wasn't Brandon's help? Because oh no, oh, yeah, I forgot about Brandon. I'm sorry, Brandon. <laughs> definitely, definitely Brandon's uh, contribution to the uh, to the entire day. All about Brandon. Um, right on. Yeah, we've been going for a while. Um, yeah, so real quickly, what, uh, what do we have next week, Brian? Um, uh, we might have a guest. It might be a shit show. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, uh, shit show is the new official term for when we're just going to get on and bullshit about something. Uh, which may or may theories, not actually right? turn out to be a shit show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's been nights we've gone through like six cans or bottles plus. So, in yeah, our... <laughs> uh, Seltzer 3.0 or whatever, and let's just get hammered oh, on yeah. the white stuff. Um, <laughs> so yeah, then uh, we, so we, we we're we're working on finalizing a guest for next week. The week after that will will actually be our off week. That'll be August second. I'm a I'm gonna head out to California, so we're not gonna do a show that week. And then we're still working on our schedule for August. Uh, later in the month in August, sure. we expect to have some. Uh, live surprise shows on off nights from Homebrew Fest. Um, so Homebrew Fest is what is it? I, I can't remember this ever. It's um, a, it's the nineteenth, twentieth, and twenty first officially. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So there may just be some random streams um, where where one of us will just uh, be drunk with a camera at Homebrew Fest, trying not to piss people <laughs> off. Um, so for anyone local to the uh, Kalamazoo. It's, if you, you're over near there, uh, not that you'd be able to, you know, unfortunately drink many of the beers, but uh, by all means, and stop out and meet some cool people, Brian. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good time out there. We call it we call it like a homebrew Christmas. So it is beer Christmas. There is cider meat. There will be. Um, in fact, there will be a whole tent um, from the. Um, the Michigan Mead Coalition here, completely dedicated to to, to meads, um, which is the first time we've had that aside from the Mead Mamas in years past. And I was going to so, say, do um, not discount the Mead Mamas. Uh, yeah. I, I saw their post the other day; they're all already making some new cool mead for for this this fest. Um, so we don't want to piss them slushies. off at all. Those mead slushies, slushies are amazing. <laughs> that apparently uh, weren't alcoholic when we first started drinking out of them. <laughs> Shit happens. <laughs> They're so um, good. Have you had uh, <laughs> Boston Mead Coalition? Have you had Bill's? Um, ah, shit. I always want to call it Captain Picard. Uh, what did Captain Picard drink? Earl Grey. Earl Grey Mead. Oh. I. Uh, yeah, no, I don't know if we. It doesn't stand out specifically. There's a good chance. I mean, we've drank a lot of a lot of Bill's mead. Um, uh, you know, he in the past he's always done the 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 mead kind of um, a separate little mead table at Beer Fest. Um, his wife does the kombucha mm -hmm. part. Yeah, and I, I know he's had like twenty, you know, or more meads up there. Um, at him and from him and other people in, in KGB. Um, so it's it's totally possible, but it, nothing stands out right now uh, for the the Earl Grey or yeah. a, a bergamot mead. That I Earl Grey mead, I love it. Right, but no, we're one excited of my to see him. I've had from him. 
Uh, he's the he's the president of the the Michigan Mead Coalition, so they're actually going to have a separate tent dedicated to that. Um, the Mead Moms will be there with their Mead tent, uh, and then of course Keepers will have a couple of Meads and a couple of ciders, and other clubs around the fest will do. We'll have uh, you know Meads and ciders available too. But um, yeah, man, you should uh, reach out to them and set up a bring your own, set up a gluten free uh, table. Right. Throw some jockey boxes up. Good. Maybe I will. Mean, yeah, there, there's been a few guys who do do stuff like that. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah, I forget the name of it. There's one there's one club in particular. It's like two guys in kilts and a a, a, a wagon, and they just drag a couple of kegs around the, the festival with their yeah. wagon. <laughs> yep. it's, it's amazing. So well, all right. it is. It's an amazing time. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll be back next week with something. Um, thanks again for for hanging out with us, Brian. Uh, check him out on uh, oh, supply dot com and uh, and zero tolerance on Facebook. And uh, scroll up in the comments and all that stuff's up there. So I'll I'll try to make another post that just like has all the links that were in chat that we we linked tonight, kind of all in one place. Um, cool. So people can just kind of and go buy a book. And hello. It, so. And go and buy, buy a buckwheat pillow. Yeah. I will include that link too. <laughs> it's amazing. All right. So, this is typically they can hear us do this. We're not actually out here yet. Everybody, wait. Bye. Bye. Bye.